MoreLikeRadio.com. It's our duty to entertain you. <laughs> I said duty. Only alcohol can make life bearable. You must drink, always drink. I blame this all on Kevin, DM you. Has anyone ever known a good person named Kevin? We, we hung out with, with Kevin from Alcohol by Volume. And he only says like three words. He, he's like really shy. He really talked to me. Towards the end of the night when he was drinking more, man, he, he, was, he was right there with us talking a mile a minute. Alcohol by Volume? I'm actually kind of drunk. Alcohol by Volume, awesome show. You really want to get drunk? <laughs> Listen to that show because by hour two he's blitzed. I'm bad. Oh, it's awesome. Because it's a beer show. Kevin, some stupid his weird name. Polish last name. Yeah. Where's your dedication there, Kevin? Your own show or someone else's? Alcohol by volume. Alcohol by volume. I shove alcohol in my butthole. That's not it. it has nothing to do with butthole. I mean, can you even get drunk anymore? It's kind of like a drinking a vitamin. So you're blaming the drunkard. Yes, I'm blaming the MLR drunkard, Kevin. Hello, bartender. I have thought it over, and far from being a fat pig, you are very nice. And I would like another drink. Take a barf, drunkie! Welcome aboard to Alcohol by Volume. It is Tuesday, March 4th, 2014, or at least uh, it will be when you're hearing this live. Yeah, if you're listening live tonight, I'm actually at a Red Wings Devils game, so I'm pre-recording this, so uh, sorry to the chat room, but at least it's a new episode. And uh, also, I have to thank everyone for making me the uh, top downloaded show on MLR last week. I couldn't do it without you guys. Plus, now you can individually subscribe to my show on iTunes if you so choose. I mean, honestly, why not just subscribe to the MLR feed, you know, to get all the great shows? But if for some reason you just want mine, it's on iTunes now. Just search for Alcohol by Volume. Leave me a nice review on there. I will probably be checking it every day to see if anybody's left me some nice five-star reviews. So please do that. Make me feel better because I have no self-esteem whatsoever. Okay, new taste that I had this week. Um, I finally picked up a bottle of Duke Claw's Naked Fish. I wasn't as impressed with it as I thought I was going to be. For those that do not know, Naked Fish is a chocolate raspberry stout from Duke Claw, and mm, it was it was good. I don't think it was what I was looking for though. It, there was that hint of raspberry in there, and I wanted a little bit more than that. Kind of like that that good strong fruit flavor you get from like a cherry wheat or something like that uh i've had other fruit stouts where the the fruit flavor comes forward a little bit more it was good but the raspberry was just too subdued for me another one i picked up um this is i'm not i can't remember what the brewer is but it's a bunch of different lambics uh under the label chapeau this one was the Chapeau Exotic. I've had their, uh, for instance, I've had their Banana Lambic before. Strange, but good. This one, the Chapeau Exotic, this is actually a Pineapple Lambic. And decent. Interesting to taste. There were some reviews I saw in it where people were just calling it disgusting and awful. And I certainly would not go that far. Um, for this one, it... it I don't know. I, th- I think the best way I could describe it is almost like 
not that sweet pineapple soda mixed with a little bit of beer flavor. It wasn't bad. Uh, not something I'd want to get all the time, though, especially for it, it's a 12 ounce bottle and it was like six ninety nine. But to try it once, I don't see a lot of pineapple in beer unless you end up with like some of the you know hops aromas emulating that citrusy flavor. So decent, worth a try at least once, especially if you like pineapple. I'm always interested in trying some of those weird flavors. Like I said, with, with the with the banana lambic, the only other banana beer I've had. I'm not going to talk about that rogue abomination, but the Wells uh, banana bread beer, which is phenomenal by itself. And then uh, let's see. Went out to eat this past weekend, and at the restaurant they had Trogue's Nugget Nectar on tap, and that was actually pretty delicious. The main reason I went for that was because I saw all over the beer trade uh, subreddit that for some reason, I guess Nugget Nectar is just really, really sought after when it comes out. It's one of those big releases that people go fucking nuts for. And I know I've had it in the past, and... I don't think I really thought much of it in the past because it's a hoppier beer, so it didn't really appeal to me then. Now it appeals to me a little bit more, and it, it was pretty good on draft. It was like you know six bucks for a pint. Yeah, I can't complain about that. Went well with my dinner, which was let's see, it was a bacon wrapped meatloaf that was stuffed with spinach and blue cheese over some blue cheese infused whipped potatoes. Oh. Yeah, it was it was good. The beer went well with it, so I, I can't complain about that too much. A uh, few other things I picked up. Uh, let's see. Uh, I picked up... Uh, I did a build a six-pack over the weekend, too. Picked up a bottle of Sweet Baby Jesus just because cause it's damn good. I need, I need to get another six-pack because it, it's just that good. Hell, I want to get a case of that, honestly. Uh, right now, I'm drinking a Cujo Imperial Coffee Stout from Flying Dog. And what else do I have here in my bucket? Let me swing my microphone down so I can look here. Uh, from Point Brewing, the Whole Hog Six Hop IPA. And what's the other one here? I got uh, from Left Hand Brewing, Stranger American Pale Ale. So you can tell that when I'm doing my purchases now, I'm I'm trying to... I mean, I'm still getting my stouts and stuff like that, my porters. But I'm trying to dip into the pale ales a little bit more. I, I find that I... Do I find the American Pale Ales? I still like those better than the IPAs, but I'm slowly, slowly working my way into the IPAs. I'm expanding my palate, and it's working. So we'll see. We'll see how far I can continue with that. Um, I think that was pretty much it. I I know another. What else did I get in the build a six pack? I know I I picked up a bottle of uh, Kona Cocoa Brown. Because I haven't had that at all this season. That's another one i got to pick up a six-pack of. If you like coconut, you will love that beer. It is fucking fantastic. One of my all-time favorites, right along with Sweet Baby Jesus. Um, I don't think there was anything else different that I really grabbed this week. I still have, shit, maybe about ten bottles of my homebrew in the fridge. And I still have my... Um, forgetting the name of the freaking cider if you listened a couple weeks ago with the the beer fest that i went to it was, it was that cider I, I know if uh if i was live little matt would probably chime in and tell me what the name of the cider is go back and listen to that episode download it more like radio.org and you'll know exactly what i'm talking about it's a strawberry lime cider it might it might come to me later if i really wanted to i'd google it right now but i 
don't feel like it. I'll let you guys do all the legwork. Um, oh, this actually happened on Saturday. There was, uh, it was some kind of freebie sign-up thing that I, I think it was maybe a couple weeks before Christmas, maybe even beginning of December from uh, Stella Artois, where if you signed up on this list, they would send you a free uh, Stella Artois chalice. But a lot of people were saying, well, yeah, but you're not guaranteed to get it, and you might just get put on their mailing list, and you know the chances of you seeing the chalice aren't that great, blah, 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 blah. Well, I ended up getting it in the mail on Saturday. It's actually really nice. It's got, got like that gold rim on it, nice goblet. I, I don't have any chalice uh, glasses for my beer, so I mean, this will be nice to be drinking like Belgian beers out of and stuff. So I'm slowly expanding my my glassware. I, I I need honestly, what I need to do is just get one of those sets that you'll see. I've seen them at liquor stores. I, I've seen them at fucking Target too, where it's just like a sampler pack where it has like six different kind of beer glasses. I also want to get one of those flight paddles too, where it has the wood paddle with the four different flight glasses on it. So maybe I can do like blind taste testing kind of shit here too might work out good for me and actually there, there's something there's something i bought that might work well with the flight too but uh, i don't know I'll, I'll get into that in a few moments uh let's see what else oh and one other thing that i discovered this weekend there is a store nearby me that specializes in home brewing that is it's basically what they do it's called homebrew university it's uh, the website's at homebrewuniversity.net. It, it, this seems like the kind of place I've actually been looking for when it comes to seminars and stuff like that. Uh, let me see. I'm on the page here right now. Welcome to Homebrew University. Discover the history, art, science of beer and brewing. So what they say here, uh, we're a homebrew supply shop and learning center dedicated to exploring and sharing the art and science of homebrewing. More than a retail center, we offer a variety of seminars held in our comfortable study and I'm seeing a picture of the study on the page here. I'm assuming this is the study with nice, like, leather armchairs and stuff. I mean, th- this place looks nice. Uh, to enrich the knowledge of the craft of beer making to homebrewers through exploring the history of beer styles and the impact of beer on society, we seek to further develop beer appreciation in our community. So they have st- certain style seminars. This month's featured style, actually. You know, I, I honestly don't know if uh, they've updated from March. This could still be February for them. But uh, the featured style was Marzen, class date to be determined, so it could still be March. Uh, let's see what else they got. Uh, beer talks. Yeah, sign up for a seminar. Seminars are $15. You sign up in advance. They, they have uh, featured recipe kits. Again, I'm, I'm I'm trying to stay away from kits. If if they're giving you a kit that is actually the hops and the malt, and it's not like the the malt extract, like you do in the Mister Beer kits, then I might be a little more apt to do that. Uh, special events, they have homebrew competitions. I am nowhere near ready for something like that. Uh, let's look at their calendar schedule of events. Oh, they do have they do have March up uh, style seminar Saturday Friday. Saturday, so they got they have they have four in a month, like uh, they had one this past Saturday, one up this upcoming Friday, and then at the end of the month, twenty ninth, and then uh, April fourth. So you, you kind of get the idea there. They do like three, four a month in that uh, time frame there. 
this is a place I will probably, I have a feeling I may check this out during the summer when I have a little bit more free time, but, uh, looks, it looks to be interesting. I think, I think they're relatively new. I mean, for instance, I'm seeing their, their Facebook counter on their page. They have 28 likes. That's not, not a lot for an established business. And this is the first time I've noticed it. It's just in a storefront in downtown Hackettstown, New Jersey. So that's something I may check out at some point. Um, I guess I can get on to little little bits of news here and there that I picked up before I get into one big story that actually dropped. Uh, I think it was it was either yesterday or today. I can't. I'm not even sure now. Um, there are already rumblings of a potential hop shortage in the coming year. Got this from OutsideOnline.com, and the the concern really centers in let's see, uh, Washington State. Apparently, Washington produces seventy nine percent of the country's hops, about fifty four point nine million pounds in twenty thirteen, according to the USDA. Now, demand for aroma hops over the more common alpha hops, and then warmer summer temperatures that hit in eastern Washington means that breweries may have to start kind of rationing their batches a bit depending on what hops they're using. Uh, There wasn't much more in the article. It almost seemed like this was kind of a a scare tactic thing that could this happen and, you know, just raise a story. You know, there have been more craft breweries popping up, so of course the demand's going to go up and a harsh summer isn't going to help the crop like that, but there was a following story that I found from michiganradio.org that kind of gave a little bit more hope to this, that uh, there's a nonprofit association that's trying to strengthen the supply chain of Michigan hops. I would think this would take some of the strain off of Washington. Now, yeah, Washington is still the, the big supplier, but if you can if you can pull up some more... Um, Let's see here. Uh, the craft beer industry growing fast in Michigan. Blah 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 blah. Makes okay. Now this would be, I would assume, primarily for Michigan breweries. But if they make enough, they can always ship some out. Uh, it makes sense to foster homegrown hops. The same people who, like myself, have become such snobs about their beer, they dig deeper and they really do want this to be an endorsement of Michigan business. They want Michigan hops. The craft brewers we've talked to overhear people talking about this at their establishment. Um, let's see, uh, they formed, uh, let's see, uh, what's, what the fuck is this guy's name? Rick Chapla, vice president of business development at the right place, an economic development group based in Grand Rapids. Uh, him along with Barry County economic Alliance and help from uh, Michigan economic development corporation grant. They formed the Michigan hop network. And this is this is basically their plan right here that they outlined. Although most of the 30,000 acres of hop farms across the nation are centered in the Pacific Northwest, like I mentioned, uh, specifically in Washington, Oregon, and Ohio, or not Ohio, Idaho. There's H and I and O in there. It's close. Michigan hops are quickly becoming a strategic advantage for many craft brewers throughout the Midwest. According to information from the Michigan State University Extension, there were over 200 acres of commercial hops grown in Michigan in 2013, with over 100 more acres planned for 2014. To support the growing acreage in Michigan, 10 harvesting centers called picking centers. Uh, I might gather there's a certain race that may not be implied there if they're calling them picking centers. 
and eight processing operations are now established throughout the state. So basically, it would, it would take the burden off some of those Pacific Northwest states, uh, filter the hops through the Midwest, and uh, and obviously, if, if you're growing the strains in Michigan, you're going to get different traits traits out of them too than you would be getting in the, in the Pacific Northwest. Different soil, just different growing environment, you're going to get those subtle differences in the hops. Even if you're growing the same strain in Michigan that you're growing in Washington, you're going to get different characteristics out of it depending on the location in which it's grown. So honestly, I don't think we're I don't think we're going to be dealing with the hop shortage. Definitely not like we did in in years past when Sam Adams kind of bailed out a lot of different craft breweries. Um I was actually asked, I think it was I, I think it was from Little Matt. He was asking about uh, any beer books that I could recommend. There, there's one. There's one really that I have, and it's uh, Tasting Beer by Randy Mosher. That's the one that I have, and I've been I've been meaning to get more. There's an article I picked up from AmericanCraftBeer.com where they actually have a, a interesting listing of some books that they've read and enjoyed. You know, stuff coming out, things like that. Uh, first one that they had on here was Locally Brewed Portraits of Craft Breweries from America's Heartland by Anna Blessing. And it basically centers on the Midwest craft brewing movement. They profiled 20 of the area's brewmasters and breweries. And it goes through you know, um, different stories from the breweries, a lot of photography. They cover the big names there. Bells, Surly, Great Lakes, Founders. They even went into um, August Shell Brewing Company in Minnesota, uh, things like that. And it, it, it's, it reads as kind of a love letter to the Midwest brewery, craft breweries that are out there. So that's one that I will probably be adding to my Amazon wish list before long. This next one is actually a good one. Um, it, when Little Matt was asking me, it, he, was, um, he was really looking for something that kind of outline the different styles, really describe them well. I think just glancing at this one, this one may have kind of what he's looking for. It's called Beer, What to Drink Next, featuring the Beer Selectopedia. It is uh, by beer reviewer and co-founder of the Perfectly Happy Man website, Michael Larson. It's Described as a beer lover's guide to more than 250 craft beers, ales, and lagers, it utilizes what the author calls a beer selectopedia to help readers find favorites. The periodic table of beer organizes beer by ingredients and country of origin to help you discover what you like and suggest what you might want to try next. It also includes mind-blowing diagrams that break down a beer's atomic structure with fun facts, tasting notes, and recommended breweries. So... It seems like it may still kind of be limited, but it'll point you in the right direction. Um, it in a way, it almost seems like a, a print version, although maybe not as not as scientific and really getting down to the science and taste of it as uh, Brewkeep.com, for instance. I think I, I still think they're doing it the right way by really, you know, having that that consistency with tasting and then kind of branching off of the recommendations in that fashion. But this sounds like a good entry point for that kind of that kind of thing and recommendations. Uh and then the last one on here uh th- th- this sounds like a you know a decent read especially if you're if you're a world traveler. 
the Pocket Beer Guide, the essential handbook to the very best beers in the world. And it it really does, it goes all over the world. Two, at least 2,000 different beers that it covers. Six continents, um, New Delhi, Portland, San Diego, Singapore. Just any destination where there is beer, pretty much. So, uh, I, uh, I may uh, list those up, post them on the Facebook page at some point. Uh, if I remember, because, I don't know, I'm fucking lazy and I, I forget to do that half the time. So, see what happens with that. Um, there was one story I covered, I don't know, It was I want to say it was maybe a couple months ago. Uh, Dallas Brewery, Deep Ellum. They had a bit of a controversial slogan for their Dallas Blonde beer. And the slogan was suggesting that the beer goes down easy. So, you know, basically a blowjob joke. Okay, fine. Um, you know, they drove around in a pink van with the slogan on the side. Uh, the can has, like, a, it, it's almost kind of like pop art. It's like a doll face with the drawn-on blonde hair and a pink crown, stuff like that. It, it's just, it's a session blonde ale. And... People were starting to freak out about it, saying, you know, it's sexist and it's offensive and blah, blah, blah. blah. Well, okay, from Eater.com, apparently Deep Ellum is not backing down from it and they're sticking with the slogan. Uh, Despite promising last year to alter a slogan many deem misogynist, a Dallas-based brewery is forging on with its goes-down-easy van after receiving an outcry of support in favor of not cowering to an overly PC agenda. Fuck yeah. Good job for actually sticking to your guns, people. Jesus Christ. According to the Dallas Observer, Deep Ellum Brewing Company first drew attention last fall with artwork for its Dallas Blonde Beer, which was accompanied by a slogan suggesting the beer goes down easy. At the time, brewery owner John Reardon offered a half apology by posting a censored photo of the slogan. The Dallas Morning News reported the brewery made a donation to the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. But today, a blogger at the Burnt Orange Report known as Deep Ellum is still using the slogan and the censored bright pink van is rolling around town. Reardon explained his decision to backtrack telling the Observer when weighing the decision on whether or not to change the van, we ultimately listened to the general public. So props to them for not kowtowing to the really the non-existent public outrage because if they were listening to the masses, the masses were saying, don't, don't bow down to these people. Of course, then, you know, there was, there was another site, uh, let's see, Burnt Orange Report. Their headline, and the, 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 the writer of this article, Genevieve Cato, the, the headline kind of tells her agenda right there. Rape culture van still rolling! Deep Ellen Brewery backtracks on promise to cover up sexist slogan. Fuck you and rape culture. Everything's rape culture. You know who are the only people really perpetuating this rape culture? The ones calling it rape culture. It's like these people want to be the next Nancy Grace, you know, tot mom. Rape culture. So, of course, you know, this, you know, bitch... 
There are plenty of other better blonde ales for you to enjoy this spring that don't require you to sacrifice your morals. So, fuck that. I mean, she did make some good recommendations, but I'm, I'm not going to give her the press here for that because rape culture van. Fuck that. It, it's a beer. It's the name of a beer. And rape culture is just another buzzword like, you know, bully and bullying. Yes, there is rape that occurs. We are not a culture of rape. There is not there is not a, a beer van is not perpetuating this so-called rape culture. If you want to go into rape culture, I don't know, you, you might you might want to look at some of the third world countries out there. You might want Okay, you know what? Look at let's say uh those news stories coming out of India with gang rape. And, you know, groups of men just raping hapless young women. That might be a rape culture. Is that happening here? I I haven't heard about it. Not not like that. <laughs> not fucking every day in the news. So, just fucking cool it with these fucking buzzwords. There is no rape culture here. And when it comes to bullying, there's bullying and then there's just being a fucking pussy about things. I was bullied in school. And fine. But you know what? I'm not crying bully, 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 ugh, bully every fucking 10 seconds. So there's my rant for that. That's what happens when you get me almost a couple beers in this early in the show, I suppose. Uh, okay. I uh, got... Uh, I think... And this one's a little bit more low-key. From Paste Magazine... I'm always talking about, you know, bourbon barrel beers and you know, bourbon barrel aging, things like that. There's a distillery in Massachusetts that's actually kind of doing it the other way around. I'll explain that. Berkshire Mountain Distillers out of Massachusetts, they've partnered with 10 craft breweries to create a line of bourbons finished in used barrels from each popular brewery. Yes, what they're doing, they're making bourbon in beer barrels instead of making beer in bourbon barrels. It's an interesting idea. So the cask finished bourbon will then only be available in that brewery's region. They've collaborated with Terrapin Brewing, Trogues, and Sam Adams thus far, and they're set to create bourbons in collaboration with Founders, Cigar City, Full Sail, Alma Gang, and Smutty Nose in the near future. That's a pretty damn cool idea. And the article says, what does finishing bourbon in beer barrels do for the spirits? According to the distillery, the bourbon finished in Terrapin's Monk's Revenge casks come away with a complex, fruity, hopped-up, malty notes. So, really, I mean, you're you're infusing the bourbon with notes of the beer and the hops and the malts instead of the other way around. I think that's, that's a very neat idea, and were I to find... You know, an example of this in my area, I mean, looking at the collaborations they got going, uh, honestly, I mean, the, probably the Trogues is, I'm guessing, the closest I'd find out here. And I'm probably still not even going to find that. I I don't think it's that local enough for me. But that's that's a very cool idea that this distillery is doing. Berkshire Mountain Distillers in Massachusetts. Very, very cool idea there. And what else I got here? Well, okay. I go over with some of the beer laws. Some of them are rather archaic. 
And some of them are, well, you know, just amusing. So um, let me see if I can get this article up for some reason. My browser is being a bitch here. Uh, let's see. Okay. I don't know why it's not loading the page properly, but uh, probably some DNS problem. Anyway, these are some of the... <laughs> I'll just go with the article title. The world's weirdest beer laws. <laughs> these are actually interesting in some respect. For instance, in Nigeria, this isn't necessarily weird, but it's mm, confusing. Nigeria, it's illegal to import beer into Nigeria, and it's also illegal to brew it. However, if you manage to find it, drinking and purchasing it is fine, as long as you're over the age of 18. Okay. It, it, it actually kind of makes me think of some of the pot laws here in the U.S. now. It's like, well, you can smoke it, but you can't you know, really possess it in this area. I know there have been mixed laws like that before. Uh, Nebraska. I'm curious if this one's still in the books, because if it is, I I would like to see someone try and go against this. It's apparently illegal for you to sell beer on your premises unless you also happen to be making a kettle of soup. Now, I guess it's not specific what kind of soup, just has to be soup. Uh, in Alaska, it's illegal to serve beer to a moose. In Ohio, you actually can give a fish beer as long as you don't get it drunk. I'd really like to know what was going through these lawmakers' heads when they were creating these laws. There had to be some logic behind them. In Iowa, popping into bed with your wife better not have more than three sips of beer while in bed in the Corn Belt State or else you could risk a fine. No word on how regularly, if ever, this law is enforced. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not moving to Iowa ever. And Scotland, I think this is probably a good idea. In Scotland, a drunken man cannot be in possession of a cow. Think about that for a moment. In Canada, I... Well, actually, this is uh, specifically in Saskatchewan. Drinking water whilst in a beer parlor... I guess sounds kind of fancy is illegal in that region. Any other Canadian province, you'll be fine. Uh, in Texas, this isn't technically a beer law, but it it kind of filters into it. Back when home encyclopedias were still popular, you know, before, before you kids and your Wikipedia, it was illegal in Texas to own the Encyclopedia Britannica. Now, you remember the Encyclopedia Britannica, you know, all the big volumes and everything, you know, you door-to-door salesman trying to sell it and all that shit. Because it contained a recipe for how to make beer in your home. So they could not purchase that in Texas. And then the final one from good old Australia. It is apparently illegal to crush a beer can between your tits in Western Australia. It apparently... uh, This actually was fined recently in a bar just outside of Perth. They got fined $1,000 for someone doing this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, 
I don't know. I got no flow tonight. I'm sorry. I'm moving along on to the next thing. This, uh, it, and I came across this product today and had to add it to my show prep. And in fact, I, I was so enamored with this product, I even just bought a sampler pack of it. It follows in the footsteps of those on tap um, like little bottles that I got. They're, they're like the Mio water things. You know, the the pale ale and the uh, was it the, like a, I think an amber, American amber or something like that, to add to your beer, give it a little bit more flavor, and then and then you have like you know your various infusers like the the Randall and the Randall Junior from Dogfish Head. This is another new add flavor to your beer product, and like I said, I I I bought some of this. Uh, they let's see how do they offer it. They have four different flavors. They had them either in four ounce shaker jars for ten bucks a piece, or two ounce four pack of all flavors for twenty. And I figured, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go for the smaller because in case this isn't very good, you know, I I want to hedge my bets here. But anyway, it is called Brew Salt. dot com. It was highlighted at the Saratoga Beer Summit back on February twenty second. Like I mentioned. They have four flavors, and it's flavored salt, so it's going to dissolve in your drink. They have chocolate, lime, habanero, and bacon. Everybody loves bacon, so why not? So let me go to this one uh, part of their page, kind of their how-to, the logistics and everything. So you should shake, pinch, or rim the glass of your favorite beverage. And then they had a bunch of suggestions for pairings which makes sense to me um and and when i do get these this is pretty much how i'm going to try and pair up the flavors ipas you can use the bacon habanero or the lime makes sense porters or stouts you'd want to use the chocolate or the bacon easy enough um for instance like if if i was going to try this i i would get i would not get a chocolate stout to try the chocolate in uh, perhaps a chocolate stout to try the bacon in. I don't know. Uh, but I, I would probably try and get some of the... I, I don't want to say bland, but more generic flavors. If I, I just want to get, you know, a stout. A regular IPA. I don't want anything, you know, special about it. You know, don't give me coriander and orange peel. Just give me an IPA. Give me a stout. Give me a porter. Uh, for lagers and pilsners, bacon, habanero, or lime, and then another recommendation, a nut brown ale, chocolate. Easy enough matching there. So what what I'm going to do with these four flavors, I am going to try and do a build a six-pack of these styles. I, let's see, I could probably get... Let's see. I would probably want to get maybe three IPAs, at least one stout, and then maybe a couple lagers, maybe a nut brown if I can find one. Um, you know, there's one that I used to get. I'm trying to remember what the hell it was. They were even saying uh, you could use this in coffee. They recommend the chocolate and even the bacon if you're more adventurous. And then you can even use this with uh, regular cocktails, a, a Bloody Mary with the bacon, habanero, or lime. You can shake it into the glass or you can rim the glass. White Russian, you add the chocolate. Margarita, you add the lime or habanero. I mean, those are no-brainers there. So, 
I I know it sounds like I'm promoting this site, but I actually bought the stuff myself too. So it's brewsalt.com if you're interested in this. Uh, once I get the stuff, I'm going to be taste testing it live on the show. And, you know, just like I did with the on tap stuff. And if it's good, I'll tell you it's good. If it's eh, I'll tell you it's eh. I have a feeling, though, this one might actually be okay because it seems like they've at least put some thought into this with the pairings and things like that. And from what I saw, I actually discovered this on Reddit. Somebody had mentioned it being at the, the um, Saratoga Springs Beer Summit. And um, it the the reception there, it, it was kind of mixed, but some people thought it was fantastic. Other people, meh. But th- there were some that, and you know, your, your, your standard craft beer drinkers that thought it was actually a, a, a pretty good addition to their beer. So you know what? I'll I'll um I'll head into this news story and this this will probably carry me to break. This I actually came across just today doing my show prep and I don't know how this almost got past me. But I know on this show I will sometimes differentiate between the big beer and the craft beer or you know even the crafty beer. A lot of that comes from the Brewers Association definition of what makes a craft brewer. It's not just some arbitrary thing. They actually have um, uh, specifications for what determines who is, you know, really considered a craft brewer. Um, so last month, actually at the end of last month, they had a two-day meeting in Boulder. And the biggest change in their whole philosophy was their definition now of what defines a craft brewer and who it is now and who it includes rather than who it excludes. Who it excludes hasn't really changed all that much, but some new inclusions... I guess you could say both of them changed. I don't know. I'm a fucking moron. Whatever. So their definition, at the heart of it, it's always been small, independent, and traditional. That is how they generally define a craft brewer. You have to be small, which means annual production of 6 6 million barrels of beer or less. So approximately 3% of U.S. sales. Um... Then independent. This is where brewers like Goose Island get shit now and things like that. Um, ow, fucking hands are so dry from the cold today. I'm practically ripping them right open. Jesus. Um, to be an independent brewer, less than 25% of the brewery has to be owned or controlled by a uh, yeah by a beverage alcohol industry member that is not itself a craft brewer. So basically. If Anheuser-Busch owns less than 25% of your brewery, you're still craft. Now, I understand that's kind of splitting hairs there. Me, I look at Goose Island, for instance. Yes, I full well know that Goose Island is now bankrolled by Anheuser-Busch InBev. I fully realize that. However, I also realize that there is a difference between a Budweiser and a Goose Island beer. 
I still see Goose Island, the name, as a craft brewer. But by definition, because of them not being independent anymore, they're not. Okay, fine. You know, that that's how they have to do that. But this third indicator, this is the one that really changed. Traditional. A brewer that has a majority of its total beverage alcohol volume in beers whose flavor derives from traditional or innovative brewing ingredients and their fermentation. Flavored malt beverages are not considered beers. That's their new definition. Now, let's see. The old definition. Um, the old definition was a brewer who has either an all-malt flagship, the beer which represents the greatest volume among that brewer's brands. So you look at like, um, like for instance, like Founders. Their, their flagship beer seems to be all-day IPA now. Um, Yingling. Yingling is you know their lager. You get the idea there. Or has at least 50% of its volume in either all-malt beers or in beers which use adjuncts. This is italicized here for you guys, to enhance rather than lighten flavor. So think of the big beer companies. Their adjuncts are typically used to lighten the color, to lessen the flavor, so you can kind of mask flaws and things like that, lower the costs. You know, that, that's why you can get a six ninety nine six pack of Bud Light instead of, you know, ten ninety nine for, I don't know, uh, a six pack of Founders Breakfast Stout or something like that, you know? And the problem before with that was that it was a lot more subjective determining what adjuncts were actually being used for in a beer. Now, when I mention adjuncts, if you're not sure what that is, um, it's like unmalted grains like corn, rice, oats, barley, wheat, to supplement the main mash ingredient. It, sometimes it's used to cut cost. Sometimes it's used to create additional features in the beer, not not necessarily to lighten the flavor of the beer, but to add different elements. Um, and really, adjuncts are any ingredient used in brewing apart from the traditional four ingredients, water, hops, yeast, and malt. kind of goes back to the Reinheitsgebot there. Uh, not as stringent as the Reinheitsgebot because the previous definition of a craft brewer it allowed adjuncts but you could not be primarily an adjunct brewer but that was kind of a problem and with that traditional part undergoing a paradigm shift now and not even mentioning the adjuncts in that that line of their definition that's where it's changed and it now will actually allow smaller brewers like Shells in Minnesota, like Yingling, to fall under that craft brewer tag, even though their flagship beers are using adjuncts. There is good reasoning behind that, though. Um, With Shells, they butted heads with the Brewers Association back in 2012 on the issue after pretty much being accused by the Brewers Association definition of not being traditional. So they um, they pretty much put out kind of a press release to the Brewers Association, and this is what it said. When August Schell emigrated from Germany and founded this brewery in 1860, his only option to brew was to use what was available to him. 
as it was impossible to ship large quantities of raw ingredients from Europe at that time. 1860 makes sense. The high-quality two-row malting barley he could use back home wasn't native to North America. Instead, he had to use the locally grown but much higher protein six-row barley to brew his beer. When he decided that he wanted to produce a high-quality, clear and stable golden lager, he had to cut down that protein content somehow. And in order to accomplish this, he used a small portion of another locally grown ingredient he called maize, as is handwritten in our own brewing logs, better known as corn. Uh, He didn't use corn to cheapen or lighten his beer. He did it because it was the only way to brew a high-quality lager beer in America at that point. By the time high-quality two-row malting barley was finally cultivated and available to use, our consumers had already been drinking our high-quality beers for many years. We continued to brew our beer using this small portion of corn because that was the way we, and this is important, we traditionally brewed it. So, in essence, it, it, it was kind of arrogant of the Brewers Association to try and really define tradition based on kind of an kind of an arbitrary set of ingredients. In a way, it it was almost as though they wanted to have their own Reinheitsgebot, but not be as you know stringent and non-moving with it. So now, now brewers like, uh, for instance, I think like, uh, shit, I'm, I'm uh, trying to, you know, I, I think I have another bookmark here where I listed some of them through. Here we go, yeah. It, it, it was practically the point where, like, it, there were brewers that were, like, blacklisted. Um, and that is not the link. You would think pre-recording, I would have stuff actually definitely brought up, but I do not. Um, You know what, fuck it, I I have no effing clue where it is, but um, let's see. Oh, okay, you know what, Uh, there's a PDF on here on Beer Pulse, uh, because they put a note in this article, the craft brewer definition no longer excludes a long list of adjunct brewers, including a group of large regional breweries like Yingling, that can be found here. Let's see. Okay. So, certain ones that were not seen as traditional before. I think I may, I may have actually posted this chart way, way back when, in the early days of the show. Um, so, let's see. August Shell Brewing Company was not seen as traditional. They were, say, adjunct brewer. Nope. Uh, let's see. Yingling, adjunct brewer. Now, they are craft. Dixie Brewing Company. Now, they are craft again. Iron City Brewing Company, craft. Uh, Milwaukee Premium Brewing Company, Minhas Craft Brewery. That actually surprised me with Minhas. I, um, Narragansett. I know, um... Uh, Jack on Talk Radio Meltdown has mentioned Narragansett many, many, many a time. They are now back in the definition of craft. Um, and before they weren't because they were you know, an, an adjunct brewer. And they also did contract brewing. So, I mean, that, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're changing some of the stuff up here. Uh, what's another one? Uh, Pig's Eye Brewing Company. They're craft again, even though adjunct brewer. Um... 
I know there. I want to say, I think Magic Hat was in there somewhere. Um, damn, I, I I wish I could remember where there was another freaking article that I saw, and damned if I can remember where the hell it was. But eh, that's not important. Basically, basically the the traditional part of it. This was their big big change in the craft brewing industry. It, this this is a a very big step because it I I know we try not to make it a war you know of craft brewers against big beer but a lot a lot of the time it is and you need as many allies as you can get and if you're excluding people on arbitrary things Yingling is a great ally to have I'd love to see Yingling start being able to collaborate with other craft brewers in the region. That would be fucking fantastic. Expand their portfolio and then you know you get the the name of Yingling attached to it, you know, a smaller craft brewer might bring them up a little bit. Honestly, I think this can only be a benefit for the craft brewing industry. Just my thought there. Um let's see. What's what's my time at? What's my time at? I'm 51 minutes in. You know what? I'll will give you I'll give you one uh, one more small 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 story before I actually hit break because I love you guys and want to you know want to want to give you best use best use of your time you know. Um. So let's see. I got this from CatholicSentinel.org and. Just so you don't think I'm like you know trolling CatholicSentinel.org all the time. No, no, I'm not. I, I actually found this I through some different beer site link. Well, there's a Benedictine uh, brewery, and um, they're actually they're called Benedictine Brewery. Uh, it, Benedictine monks that are doing craft brewing. They're at Mount Angel Abbey in Saint Benedict, Oregon, and their slogan is well, it, it, their slogan is fitting. It's taste and believe. Okay, fine. Uh, it's made from locally sourced hops and water from their Abbey Well, so they're they're trying to keep the ingredients local, which is very respectable with that. And their beers are anticipated to be available by this summer, but there's kind of a caveat here: only available for purchase at the brewery and their tasting room. So, if you're in Oregon, you'll be able to find this stuff. If you're not, you're kind of screwed and you could probably only hope for a beer trade on this. Um, well, damn, I got to open up the, ah, open up another beer. Let's see, Stranger or the IPA. Let's go the IPA. Ah, it is a good thing I have like a million coasters here. That is, that is part of the benefit of going to beer festivals. You end up with coasters all over the place. Ah, so back in 2012, Chris Jones, Mount Angel Abbey's Enterprises Manager. I didn't realize an Abbey needed an Enterprises Manager, but you know, you, you learn these things. Um, he began collaborating with Father Martin Grassel, the Abbey Curator, to identify new revenue sources for the Abbey. Now, you might think, why would an Abbey need revenue sources? Well, aside from the usual upkeep of the Abbey, I mean... You know, they're the you know they're they're the bills they gotta pay. They're the bills they gotta pay. 
But of course, they also like to do their charity works and they need funding for that as well. So makes sense. This isn't just some kind of money grab. Um, they interviewed craft brewing experts in the region. Of course, Oregon's great for that. Uh, they created and launched a business plan and then started working with fermentation scientists at Oregon State University to develop recipes. So they're, they're, they're taking a very rational, um, very structured route in doing this. I mean, it's, it's not like this is going to be, you know, a Trappist ale or anything, but this is a genuine, um, a genuine monastic brew. It's not, it's not the, the fake monastic brew, you know, where they give you the impression that it's made by monks or something and it's not. This, this is, this is the real deal. The monks have actually been providing their own input through the process, and the brewery's Facebook page, yes, they have the monks on a Facebook page. It shows them in their habits, tasting the beers, you know, giving their opinions on the flavors and everything. From the article here, an underused building nicknamed the Fort will be converted to uh, to house the brewery. Ooh, excuse me. Built in 1903 with the stone remnants of the first monastery that burned down in 1892, the fort was once used to store wine and grapes grown on an abbey vineyard. Right now, the brewing equipment is being manufactured by an Oregon company, and Jones and Father Martin are working to secure proper permitting to begin building renovations. Now, it, with with religion in our country, there, I don't know. You you start you see moral dilemmas where there are. Where, where there really shouldn't be... Like, in Europe, they, they don't have a problem with these monastic beers. There's never been a question about monks brewing beer. There, there's been no moral dilemma with that. Well, here, apparently, there kind of was. But I give this guy props. Now, Father Martin, he said he's well aware of the moral dilemma. And he uses logic. Woohoo! St. Thomas uh, Aquinas' principle of double effect as ethical criteria to find an answer. I haven't taken an ethics class in ages, but I'm assuming that's a theory of ethics somewhere. Anyway, he asks, does the potential good outweigh the potential negatives? Well, profits from the sales of the beer, it's going to allow the monks to continue their works of charity. My thought is that people that would be seeking out these beers from the monastery, they're not your typical, you know, natty light drunk. These are people that are, that are deliberately going to be seeking it out. Because if you're just a piece of shit drunk, you're just going to the corner store. You're not going to a monastery to get your beer. So, I I, I don't think they these monks have to worry about contributing to a... a um, a culture of alcoholism. <sighs> and uh, these beers, like I said, they're only going to be available at the brewery and tasting room, so no distribution for them, which is fine. But honestly, it, it's it's nice to see another genuine monastic beer in the U.S. Uh, there's actually one other one that I was able to find in the U.S., the Monastery of Christ in the Desert in New Mexico. As far as I know, there, there are only two um, in in the U.S. like that. So it may spread a little bit more. I don't know. It, it, it's an interesting source of revenue for them, and y- you got to think. I mean, they're, they're, 
like like I said, you know, the people that are going to be seeking out this kind of beer, they're not your rowdy, whatever pieces of shit. You know, they're not pieces of shit like us, basically. So, goddamn, WD forty on this arm. I have no idea if you guys are hearing the squeaking. Let me see if it'll come up in the waveform. Oh, of course, now I can't get the fucker to squeak. God, cocksucker, motherfucking mic arm. Jesus Christ. You know, with that, I, uh, fuck it. I, I should cut my losses and go to break. Uh, after the break, what do I got here? Uh, da, 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 da. Oh my God, all my shit's all messed up. See, even during the pre-recorded show, I don't edit this shit out. Um, you know, I'll see what I can hit here. Uh, 40% of what you pay for beer in the U.S. goes to taxes. So, uh, America. America. A beer bucket list. I got this one from Marianne because Marianne is always extremely helpful when it comes to show prep for me. Any, any good articles with beer, she she tosses them my way, and I greatly appreciate that. This is 25 beers you must try. There are some on this list I've actually had, some I clearly know about and will probably never see in my life, but it, it's actually it's a pretty good list. Uh, Portland Bar decided to sell what they were claiming was Miller High Life, but was actually something else which is actually a, uh, a happy story, not a, not a you fucking shitheads story. Uh, some other random stuff. An entrepreneur develops a miracle machine that'll undoubtedly piss off Christians with its imagery. And of course, of course, of course, the new releases for the week. So with that, I will be back after these uh, short, brief, Break of messages here on Alcohol by Volume on MoreLikeRadio.com. I'll be right back. Alcohol by Volume, Kevin Show. Hey! Hey. It's the name of the show. Hey! More like radio, less like crap. Want more alcohol by volume? Because I'm kind of drunk for this. Let's shit nuts! Download past episodes at morelikeradio.org. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. And follow along on Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol. I find your drunkenness fit. Are you on appeal? I am drunk, or I wouldn't be talking to you. The newest episodes of Talk Radio Meltdown air first on More Like Radio. Listen to new episodes every Friday starting at 4 p.m. Eastern at morelikeradio.com. More Like Radio has a lot of great shows, including ours. Talk Radio Meltdown every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern on More Like Radio. Listen in at morelikeradio.com. Hey, smokers, you stink. I'm not talking about your character. That's a given. I'm talking about your clothes. It's time to kick the butts and move over to something more pleasant. I'm talking about e-cigs from Smokeless Image. They're cheaper than cigarettes, don't smell, and are available in a wide variety of flavors ranging from mints, fruits, desserts, or the traditional tobacco flavors if that's what you want. Simply go to tinyurl.com slash mlrsmoke for all your vaping needs. That's tinyurl.com slash mlrsmoke. Wednesday night at 11 p.m., Tune into More Like Radio for two hours of wrestling talk on Markout Radio with Dark Fox and Friends. Fistful of assholes! Excuse me? Fistful of assholes? Really? You want me to say that? Just do the bit. <sighs> Alright, you're such a diva now that you have your own show with guest host Punchy, Greenway, and whoever else shows up on Skype or in Fox's creepy basement studio. The smell of common beer doesn't make it creepy. Maybe not. 
but the fleshlight does. Listen, I have a healthy sexual appetite. Thank you very much. What are the anal beads for? Can you just do the bit? Ugh. Fine. Jesus, and you wonder why people get Marianne through the audio bits. Markout Radio live every Wednesday night from 11 p.m. Eastern on More Like Radio. This is it, the apocalypse. Hey, are you absolute garbage? Let me guess, an alcoholic, a drug addict. When was the last time you were even out of your house? Well, why don't you join us for the Red Show? We're all about personal betterment and self-esteem. I want to do, uh, you know, maybe like uh, City Meets the Swamp, something, something. I hope it ends up with the fucking city getting eaten by a goddamn alligator. Ambassadors of peace at any income level. That's what we do here. We're all about olive branches. (laughs) No, you're a fucking white trash asshole. You're about olive fucking garden, okay? (laughs) (laughs) One thing we don't forget is how important our fans are. Is there anything more you want to say about any of these uh, cocksuckers that are listening? No, I don't think so. Okay. And we recognize the struggles and hardships of our friends. We don't give a fuck. I hope you relapsed. Burn in hell, bull. Oh my god. What are you I meant I love you, bro. Get better. So come join us live Wednesday nights and experience functional substance abuse on The Red Show. Only on More Like Radio. You're doing some things with Enya, correct? I, I hope you end your life. Now get, off <laughs> now get off the microphone while I talk to my pal. If you weren't able to catch the last Hippo Juice show, here's what you probably missed. I would rather go one mile down the road than inconvenience men behind me. Mm-hmm. In my mouth, with my tongue, and testicles. Oh. My official statement is fag! Zach, um, uh, um, as far as your routine goes, um, how... You know, because do you ever, like, do, like, with, uh... Listen to the Hippo Juice Show live every Wednesday night, 7 to 9 p.m. on morelikeradio.com. Yeah, we can't sell Betsy's milk to nobody. Absolutely nobody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. You can't sell that milk. I got pain. It's all I have. Yo, I got pain. I'm going to smell it. Dude fucking takes the bread, shoves it in her ass, shits it back out, puts it in the case. That's how you wrap the bread. You can jiggle your fist around in there without hitting the sides. The Orange Room, 9 to 11, Saturday nights on More Like Radio. On this episode of the daytime drama Conti and Kenny, Conti shows compassion for Kenny's flailing comedy career. There's, especially in this area where we are, the Northeast, there's 10,000 people that want to be comics that sort of do it here and there, but they wanted to. Not, don't look at my schedule. No, I wasn't putting you in that group. I've been doing it 10 years. You know what I mean? Not Right now, I'm in a little. Not in a row. I'm, I'm, <laughs> 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 yeah, you jerk off. ContiandKennyShow.com High Society Radio is now part of MoreLikeRadio.com Who's all part of the More Like the uh, More Like Radio cavalcade of stars? Oh, who, who are you joining there? Oh, well, Hippo Juice, they're the the soul behind More right. Like Radio. And we're, we're jumping on there. High Society Radio, that is. What other, what other kind of shows are over there, though? Oh, there's, there's plenty. 
there's a there's just a roster that's ridiculous. There's 360 on 420. Mm-hmm. There's a gentleman show. There's Ain't Social Gamer Radio. There's the Red Show. There's Daytime Divas. Okay, so you're not out there by your by yourself in the cold anymore. No. You're fucking with... A family. Yeah, a real family. A family of gangsters. Take the edge off. More like radio.com. It's like rap music you can understand. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Hey, this is Will from Tattoos and Touchdowns. And Espo, as always. Check us out every Sunday from 10 a.m. to noon exclusively on MoreLikeRadio.com. If you're ready for pro wrestling like it's never been seen before, pro wrestling meant for an adult audience, and pro wrestling where nobody says brother or tells you you can't see them, check out Combat Zone Wrestling, the most innovative, high-flying, hard-hitting, ultra-violent promotion on the planet today. Combat Zone Wrestling. Visit us at www.czwrestling.com. The Cousin Joe Show. Now, I know what a crack vial is because there was one time I went to go score coke and this guy in Patterson tries it for coke and he goes, all right. And like usual, they got it all set up great. They got fucking, they got all their, they're like fucking 14-year-old kids on bicycles riding around the corner to flag the dealer if the cops are around, like just as lookouts while I'm parked and the guy goes in the apartment or whatever and gets the shit. Comes out with these vials of, it looks like salt. And I'm like, what is this? It's coke. And the way he looked at me and said it, I'm like, I'm not arguing with this guy. I'm not. I'm just going to pay, take it. And I tried stiffing crack. I didn't realize until like, two minutes later, I'm like, why is my nose getting clogged with shit? I'm like, oh, wait, this isn't coke. This is, these are crack rocks. But they were, <laughs> they were, they look like, like sea salt. They're like fucking. <laughs> so you just, you got overcharged. I remember I went to go get a haircut right after that. And I was looking in the barber shop. I did no, everything no. I called hey, back then. It was crack. It was just part of my day. What are you talking about? Them out. I remember looking in the mirror going like, shit, because they started to fall out of my nose. Tune in to the Cousin Joe Show live Thursday night, 7 to 10 on More Like Radio. A ton of lineup stronger than Owen Hart's safety harness. MoreLikeRadio.com. Other internet radio stations are gay. Uh, so tell me, what are your three weakest qualities? <laughs> See, just a perfectionist. Perfectionist. Yeah. And the other two, um, <laughs> I'm overheating. Right? I'm overheating. Okay, so here's what we're going to do now. I'm just going to shoot from the hip. A little rapid fire. Give you some fun facts you might not know about me. I hate standing up. I'm bad with numbers. And I just honestly, from the bottom of my heart, don't think women should be allowed to handle money. I just, that's real. Let's just move on to the salary. And you didn't even fill out the back of the application. There's a back. There is a back to the application. Coach. What? The LAPD exam. Maybe it had a back. You didn't check to see if it had a back. We gotta go to the precinct. I didn't joke. I'm just careless. And that 
is my biggest weakness, you bitch. I'm so sorry, dude. Yeah, I'm so sorry, dude. Man, I didn't oh, mean that. Dog, I didn't mean that at all. Welcome back to Alcohol by Volume here on MoreLikeRadio.com. Ah, oof! My body ain't used to this right now. I, I, I don't. I, I honestly, from doing a show about beer, you'd think I'd drink fucking heavily all the time. I mean, I have this reputation of being this just raging alcoholic, and I, I don't drink amounts like this that frequently anymore. I mean. Although it probably doesn't help that, let's see, my second beer was 8.9% ABV. I mean, the Sweet Baby Jesus is only 6.5. This one I'm on now, this is the, um, the uh, what is it, fucking Point, yeah, Stevens Point Brewing Whole Hog 6 Hop IPA. This one is, it's actually an Imperial IPA, and I did not realize that when I purchased it. 8.5% on this one as well. Not as well. The other one was 8.9. What am I doing? I don't know math. Ah. Uh, anyway. Um, you know, I don't know. The Imperial IPAs still aren't grabbing me. Regular IPAs, I'm, I'm, I'm getting into those. The Imperials still are... Ugh, there's, there's too much of the bitterness there for me thus far. I, I gotta work my way up to those. This one... I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish drinking and I'm not fucking crazy, but would I get this one again right away? No. Something like Founders All Day IPA. Yeah, I, I, I would actually get a six pack of that at this point. Uh, but I'm kind of rambling. Um, I actually want to give a special, special shout out because I was in um, I was in the WhatsApp chat, the, the behind the scenes MLR WhatsApp chat and um I found out uh, one of our uh, one of one of our one of our guys on MLR Scrambler, and uh, I know he's been on many, 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 many shows lately. But uh, his home base is the Red uh, Nine to Eleven on Wednesdays. He's actually sending me some stuff, some uh, some beers. So I am very pleased, very very pleased about that. Um, he actually apologized because there was a delay to it, but dude. Beer, I, it, it it could take two, three, four weeks. It's beer. I'm happy. I love you, man. Love you, man. And I don't know if that's the beer talking either. Um, this is what happens with hour number two, guys. This is what happens with hour number two. Even even when I'm not fucking live, even when I'm pre-recording, this is what happens to me. I don't even have the chat room to bounce off of with this. I'm I'm. Ah. Uh, I'm going to finish a fourth beer by the time I'm done here. Uh, so 40% of what you pay for beer in the U.S. apparently goes to taxes. Um, not quite as bad as tobacco. I believe tobacco, it is something probably closer to 60%, but it still, still kind of sucks. Well, lobbyists in Washington are actually pushing to reduce those taxes at least by a few cents, and it's called the Beer Act. Beer, all in caps. I gather it stands for something. Looking through the articles, I was not able to find what the fuck it stands for. Anyway, 
Um, the original excise tax, it dates back to the 1800s, became permanent in 1933 as a sin tax in the wake of Prohibition. And that's that's really what we're looking at here. Um, it, it's segmented... Let's see. Um, segmented five different ways. There's actually a, um, a chart on here, nationaljournal.com. The 40% is made up of state excise taxes, federal excise taxes, state sales taxes, federal business taxes, and state business taxes. So the federal and state excise taxes, when you combine the federal excise tax of $18 per barrel with state duties, it amounts to four cents of every dollar spent on beer. Then you get your sales, wholesale, hotel, over the bar, and local excise taxes. State and county taxes account for four cents of every dollar spent on beer. And then federal and state business taxes, brewers, distributors, and retailers are subject to the same taxes every other business pays. This accounts for 32 cents for every dollar spent on beer. Okay. So you have those excise taxes, you have the sales taxes. I mean, the sales taxes and the business taxes aren't going anywhere. It's the excise taxes that if if anything is going to be chipped away, it's going to be those. And like I said, the original taxes, those date back to the 1800s and they became permanent after Prohibition. Well, Beer Institute, they're arguing that lowering the tax, it would help small producers of beer and it would allow larger operations to grow further and it would lower the cost of beer and it would create more jobs. Okay, you know, it's a fair point, I'd say. Um, well, the Congressional Budget Office disagrees. Of course they do. Why not? Why wouldn't they disagree? Uh, they want to raise it, claiming the cost of alcoholism. Um, let's see. Alcoholism and alcohol-related incidents far exceed the revenue brought in by taxes on alcohol products. Ugh. Okay. And then the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. <laughs> Oof. That's a that's a rough word. That is a rough word. Uh, the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. There, that's better. See if I go radio voice, I'm fine with that. Uh, they point to a 1997 study. Yeah, let's point to a study that's almost 20 fucking years old. Fucking morons. Jesus Christ. They claim that raising the excise tax on beer would, quote, greatly reduce the number of drinking and driving incidents in the U.S. Really? Really? Yeah. Again, that was like 20 years ago. The study... This... I don't know. I I was trying to figure out if this was bullshit or not. The study claims the incidence of non-fatal traffic crashes would reduce by 6%. Now, I'm no statistician. I know, I know, I know. You, you, you would think I was, right? Of course. Is 6% in the world of statistics greatly reducing? I'm, I'm honestly asking. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it to me. I would think greatly reducing would be like, I don't know, maybe something 25% or higher. I don't know. It, uh, it, it, seemed, it seems like nanny state bullshit there. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Chris Thorne, the VP of Communications for the Beer Institute. Excuse me, need to whip my whistle. Says raising the excise tax would hurt the majority of responsible beer drinkers. Okay, fair. First of all, we support the legal drinking limit of 0.08... Uh, 
percent uh, blood alcohol content. We believe that the vast majority of accidents and with alcohol abuse are with repeat offenders and high blood alcohol content drunk drivers. We believe that these are representative of a smaller part of the population. Uh, increasing taxes not only captures the 95% of consumers who are drinking responsibly and asking them to pay for it, but if you're a problem drinker, it doesn't matter. The taxes aren't going to stop you con- from consuming. That's proven too. And in a weird way, it kind of goes back to that story with the, the um, Benedictine Brewery. Are your, you know, your repeat offenders, high blood alcohol content, drunk drivers, blah, blah, blah. Are they going to be, you know, are, are the pieces of shit going to be going to the to the monastic beers? No, 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 no. It's the pieces of shit that um, the excise tax targets. And like this guy said, the taxes aren't going to stop them from getting their fix. I mean, heroin's illegal. You can still get heroin. I mean, I could, you know, if, if, if you know what, if, if I really, really wanted to, I could probably figure out a way to score some heroin here in northern New Jersey pretty easily and have a, I don't know, what's, what, how, how is heroin measured? Bag? <laughs> I don't know. I've never done heroin. I could, I could probably have some heroin by tomorrow morning. It's illegal, though. <laughs> Nothing going to stop me from getting it. I mean, shit, you know, there's a big heroin ring that was busted just two towns over. I think I can get some heroin. Not going to get some heroin. Although that would be a fantastic weight loss regimen. But then there's the addiction problem afterwards, and that'll probably die from the heroin. So, mm, you gotta weigh the positives and negatives. Anyway, kind of getting off topic here. Um... So this bill, it has 91 co-sponsors in the House, 45 Democrats, 46 Republicans. Kind of a nice bipartisan bill there. So you'd think, okay, there, there's some support there. Well, the website GovTrack gives the Beer Act a 0% chance of passing this Congress. And I, I'm, go, I'm going to uh, editorialize here. Passing this fuckhead Congress. And only a 1% chance of making it out of committee. When asked about the bill... Uh, Representative Jim McDermott, Democrat out of Washington, who signed on as a co-sponsor just the day before, laughed and said, What's the Beer Act? (sighs) Fucking moron politicians. I mean... (sighs) These fuckheads won't think twice about you know, tripping over themselves to, you know, give their business and oil cronies all the money and tax breaks and everything. But something like this, I, I guess I guess it's not important enough. I guess the lobbyists aren't strong enough. I guess the business interests aren't strong enough. You know, so you know what? Jim McDermott out of Washington. Fuck you, Jim McDermott. Look at what you sign or co-sign or whatever. Pay attention to what the fuck you're legislating, you Fucking piece of shit. Hope you're voted out of office in the next election, you piece of shit garbage cocksucker. Ugh. So with that, let's get to something else. Beer bucket list. 25 beers you must try. This is much happier. 
much, much, much happier. Uh, okay. So like I said, this was suggested by Marianne from Backtalk Radio, uh, 9 to 11 on Mondays. And then Daytime Divas, uh, it's going to be occasional Saturday mornings, I believe. Uh, I want to say 10 a.m., I think. I'm not sure. They were on this past week, and if you missed the show, be sure to go to morelikeradio.org and download it because it was a great show. Uh, there are lots of familiar... Uh, wow, I must want vanilla. Lots of familiar names on this list. A bunch of sought-after, hard-to-find ones, too. But I think it's actually kind of a good checklist. To give you an idea, I've had seven out of the 25 on this list. That's That's not a lot. It's not even, you know... It's a little more than 25% of them. So, not not horrible, but... So, let me run down this list here. First one, I've talked about it before. I've talked about it in news stories, where The Alchemist was actually running into problems. Hetty Topper from The Alchemist. And uh, let me. this is from uh, coolmaterial.com, by the way. So, I mean, they, they make no bones about what kind of material they're giving you. It's It's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. They say, perhaps the best IPA you'll ever taste in a country that has adopted the IPA as its own. This imperial double IPA from the Alchemist in Vermont is actually recommended to be consumed right out of the can. Like a lot on this list, you may have to travel to get it. Now, we all know the hype over Hetty Topper and, you know, black market sales of it. It, it, It's that's one that's rough. That's one that it's a right place, right time kind of thing. You got to find it. Number two on the list here. Dark Lord from Three Floyds. When a beer has its own holiday, so to speak, you know it's special. Dark Lord, uh, Dark Lord is available one day a year in April, Dark Lord Day, at Three Floyds Brewery in Indiana. It's an amazing style. You'll have to plan a trip around. Uh, number three, Schneider Weiss Unser Eventinus. Few beers on this list are as approachable as this Weizenbach. This German beer, always a plus when it comes to wheat beers, both dark and light, is full of flavor, banana bread, clove, and raisin, and is highly drinkable. Now, this one, I honestly don't know the availability of this. This is one that I'm actually going to keep an eye out for and see if uh, this shows up. It's it's weird. The, the bottle, it looks familiar to me, but I think I'm probably mistaking it for um, something more along the lines of, um, let's see, what is it? Um, uh, uh, Wahain, uh, let me try it again. Wahain Stefaner, uh, another another German beer. It, it has that kind of general style to the label. Um, but that's what I'm going to look for. Uh, it has like that blue crest on the front and everything. I, I could swear I've seen this brewer before, but I'm going to keep an eye out for that, see if I can find it. Number four, um, God damn it, why are they giving me these weird words? Uh, West Verletterin, and that's West Verletterin 10, XIA. Often labeled as the world's best beer, this Belgian quad is one of West Verletterin's three different brews. Tracking some down is not easy since the monks only make enough to support the monastery regardless of the insane demand. So this is another one of your monastic beers. It was on sale one day last year in the U.S. and got beer fans in a tizzy. I get the feeling that that is one I am not going to find. And I could probably just resign myself to that. Uh, Number five, The Abyss from Deschutes. The hints of molasses and licorice give the super dark stout series flavor. It's balanced but complex. 
and it's one of the best Imperial Stouts out there in our book. Again, that one, um, I don't even, I'm trying to remember if I even see anything from Deschutes out in my area. I don't think I do. So, again, that's one that if I was going to get it, it'd probably have to be in a trade. This is one that I know I've mentioned. Actually, these next two, um, these these are ones I'd, I'd like to try at some point, but who knows if it'll ever happen. Pliny the Elder from Russian River Brewing Company, probably the most adored and revered IPA, even more so than Hetty Topper in the U.S., Pliny the Elder is a seriously delicious and perfectly balanced brew. They, when when people are talking about sought-after beers, Pliny the Elder, that is it. That is the one that is always used as the example. But then, nine, number seven here, Pliny the Younger, again from Russian River. Pliny the Elder is too easy... Uh, if, um, uh, yeah. Let me read back on this. Oh, Pliny the Elder is too easy for you to get your hands on. A great problem to have. Well, go hunt down some Pliny the Younger. The Triple IPA is another amazing beer from Russian River that's even harder to obtain. Now, I will admit, you know, I I, want to try Pliny the Elder if I was ever able to get my hands on it. Pliny the Younger, believe me, if I got my hands on it, I'm not going to turn it down, but a Triple IPA, I get the feeling I'm not going to enjoy it. That's the problem. I mean, Imperial IPAs are a bit much for me. A triple IPA, yeah, that might be really pushing the boundaries for me. Uh, number eight, Trappist Rockfort 10. This Belgian quad packs a punch at over 11% ABV. It's like port, but for beer fans. I want to say I have had this one before. I'm almost positive I have had that one. Um... It may not have been the Rockfort 10, though. It may have been one of the other numbers, but I know I have had a Rockfort before. There was actually a point um, when... Uh, and this this was actually before I went for my runs on my lunch break. During the summer, um, th- there, were, there were periods where I would have a a 12-pack of cans of Purple Haze sitting in my car. And where I had them in my... Um, I, I drive like a... I drive a Kia Soul, so it's got like the hatch in the back, and it's got the compartment in the back hatch underneath. Put the beer in there. It keeps it kind of cool. Keep them there and have a beer or two on my lunch break. Well, when I did not have those, I might run up to the uh, local liquor store and uh, see if I could find something. And sometimes I would just look for something that was a higher alcohol content and just try and, you know, get myself a nice buzz on during my lunch break. Uh, Trappist Rockfort, I know I grabbed one one time, but I want to say it was the 10 on the label's blue and the um, the one I had, I want to say it was like a, a, a red number. So I know you guys don't give a shit, whatever. But that's one that I, I probably could find, I'm assuming. This is another one I've had before. Uh, number nine, Rogue Chipotle Ale. Rogue's Chipotle Ale makes the list for its basic interestingness. It's an amber ale kicked up with some smoked chipotle chili peppers that's worth trying for the experience alone. It's also the only beer we'd follow with a glass of milk. Now, I I get the feeling that they have not tried many other spicy beers. Rogue's Chipotle Ale, it's good, and it's a really good entry point into the more spicy pepper kind of beers, 
but it's very mild compared to some of the other ones out there. For for instance, um, oh shit, you know what? Another one, another one that I had uh, uh, recently that I pulled from the build a six pack was Coco Fuego from Dew Claw, and that one was the the perfect kind of heat where you get that nice chocolate note, but then that pepper hits the back of your throat and in the perfect amounts doesn't overwhelm everything. The Chipotle Ale from Rogue, a lot more mild from that, uh, mild than that, but it's a good entry point for it. So, I I, I can't fault them for mentioning that. It, anything like mention doing something like Coco Fuego on there, it it it's not as approachable for for most people. The Chipotle Ale, that's a good stepping stone into the hotter chili peppers of the beers. Number ten, Dogfish Head one hundred and twenty minute IPA. I I do want to actually find this. Uh, you could eat straight hot pellets or you could drink a 120-minute IPA from Dogfish Head. While it might be better to relax in front of the TV with a bottle of 60-minute or 90-minute, I've had I've had one of those, either the 60 or the 90, I don't remember. The high alcohol and IBUs are worth the headache the next morning. It's, an, it's another Imperial IPA. I'd try it. They say it ages well, which is actually strange because IPAs typically don't age well, but see what happens with that. This uh, next one is one that I want to get my hands on because I I, I tasted the Founders KBS. <sighs> and I, oh, this, this is another white whale for me now. Founders Canadian Breakfast Stout. Founders is one of those breweries you can always rely on for consistently good beers. Their CBS, not to be confused with their also awesome KBS, may be their finest. It's sweet and frothy and hyped for good reason. And if you're not familiar with the CBS, it's an ale brewed with chocolate and coffee aged in maple syrup bourbon barrels. So if anybody has a spare bottle of CBS that they want to send to me, believe me, I'll, I'll try and find something good for you out here. I, I, I'm not opposed to beer trades. Number 12, Saison DuPont. Saisons have been hot for a bit, and if you want to try the gold standard, you'd be wise to get your palms on some from the DuPont Brewery. It's easy drinking after a day of working in the fields. It's weird. Saisons, I've still been trying to figure out whether I like them or not. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very torn on that style. I don't know why. Um, let's see, number 13 here. Um, oh, number 13. Of course, of course I know number 13. It is the Eichslenkerla Rock Beer Marzen. We know this one. And I, I, I think I actually said it properly. Eichslenkerla Rock Beer Marzen. Uh, actually, but to be fair, I like the Urbach better. Uh, because you've always wanted to drink the smell of your grill, there's a smoked beer from Germany. Well, it's definitely not everyone's cup of tea or pint of lager. It's something you should swig at least once. Besides, who wouldn't want to drink bacon? Like I said, the Marzen's good. I think the Urbach is better. Just my preference on that. But if you can find one of the Eichschlenkerla Rock beers, get it. Very affordable. Uh, usually four ninety nine to five ninety nine a bottle. And Jesus Christ, I think Cornex uh, uh, is messaging me with pictures of Transformers that he's bought. And let's see, one of the two I actually got. So I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to taunt him with that later. Uh, I don't know why I keep my cell phone in front of me when I'm doing a show. What's wrong with me? Uh, number 14, Alesmith Speedway Stout. 
If you're the kind of guy who seriously enjoys his espresso, yes. Speedway Stout from Alesmith in San Diego is right up your alley. It sports an incredible coffee profile that any coffee and beer fan will enjoy. I don't believe we get Alesmith out here. So again, that's another one that I'd have to find it in a trade. This is one that I really want to try, and I don't get New Belgium out here. Number 15, Lips of Faith, La Folie from New Belgium Brewing. If you want to ease into sour beers, this is not the place to start. It's super sour, but at least in our book, super delicious. And I love, love, love my sour beers. That is one I want to try. I mean, this this being a beer bucket list, this is a really good checklist for me. And I think for for a lot of beer craft beer drinkers. Uh, number 16, Bell's Two-Hearted Ale. An incredible IPA you don't have to hit the lottery to get in your fridge. Bell's Two-Hearted Ale boasts a hefty hop aroma with the perfect amount of sweetness. You can't go wrong with this or Bell's Hop Slam or actually most of their beers for that matter. And I, I will agree with that. Uh, I, I have not had a bad beer from Bell's. And admittedly, I haven't had a lot um, most of the time when I've had Bells, it's been when I've been in Michigan. Um, but I have had Hop Slam, and Hop Slam is fantastic. I think that was my perfect entry point into IPAs. Uh, so I have to thank my friend Nicole for getting that for me. Uh, number 17, Darkness from Surly Brewing. I love, love the art on this one. Uh, looks like, well, basically looks like Dracula on the label. You want big flavor, you got big flavor. Surly's Darkness is not a Russian Imperial Stout to mess around with. It's chocolatey with a bunch of nuances that any beer fan would appreciate. Gotta love a good Russian Imperial Stout. Uh, number 18, Cantillon Lupepe Creek. Yes, yes, yes. I love my Lambics. And they say here, and I, you know, I, I get shit for this, Lambics are not often considered the manliest of beers, but you can't hide deliciousness. This Creek Lambic from Cantillion won't win you many points with frat bros. Fuck frat bros. I don't want to win points from them. Fucking frat bros. And I'll tell you a story about fucking frat bros in a minute. Because uh, I'm getting close to the end of this list. Uh, but you'll be laughing to the bottom of every cherry-flavored glass. Number 19 is a brewer that I did mention before. Why Heinstefaner Hefeweissbeer. If you don't speak German, just point at the bottle or tap and hide your pride at the door. It's worth it. This is a classic German Hefe which all there should be measured against. This one I have had and I have enjoyed. It is, it, it, it's a perfect yeah, perfect example of the style. Number 20, Cable Car from the Lost Abbey. I don't believe I've seen this one. I know I do get Lost Abbey beers out here, though. Um, a funktastic American wild that packs a sour punch. It, damn it, I know I haven't seen this out here because if I had... Well, you know what though? Looking at the label, it doesn't look it doesn't describe itself as a uh American wild ale. So maybe I have seen it and I just passed it over not realizing. Anyway, uh packs a sour punch if you're the kind of guy who bites into straight grapefruit, there's a beer worth storing in your collection. This is one I'm gonna keep an eye out for and see if I can find this. Again, don't know how rare it is, but you never know. Number twenty one, Great Lakes, Edmund Fitzgerald Porter. As far as porters go, you could do far, far worse than this brew from Great Lakes Brewing. Uh, it's ridiculously smooth and our pick for the best porter around. Best of all, it's most likely not a beer you have to go hunting for. This is true. I always see this in the Build a Six-Pack selection. Always there. I've had it before. It's it's very good. It, it's I I wouldn't I I wouldn't necessarily say 
It's the best porter I've ever had, but it's, it's, I don't know, if you, if, if you want a good porter, go for that. You, you can't go wrong with that. It may not be the best one you've had. It's definitely not the worst one you've had. It, it, it is very good. Next one's another one I've had. Number 22, Bigfoot Barley Wine Style Ale from Sierra Nevada. On a cold winter night, this is the beer we reach for. It's exactly what you want in a robust brew. Again, I think this is probably one of the more approachable barley wine styles. Uh, there, there are some that come across as a bit heavy. Sierra Nevada's a lot more approachable. Uh, number 23, Peche Mortel from uh, Dieu du Ciel. Uh, another one for the coffee nuts, Peche Mortel, French for Immortal Sin, is an imperial stout that acquires a lot of its flavor from the fair trade coffee it's infused with. I know I've never seen that one before. That seems to be one that, uh, not not in my locale. Number 24, hey, I got this. I got this, motherfuckers. Sam Adams Utopias. Who's ready to get wrecked if you raised your hand, save up, and search out Sam Adams Utopias? Yes, that's what I did. 27% ABV. It's more like a light bourbon. Yes, of course, that's part of the fun. Would you believe I haven't had a sip of that Utopias since the disastrous anniversary of Vodka Night? Um... I guess I'm just kind of waiting for the right time. I don't know. My, my house is always so goddamn loud. I mean, I got a kid here. I got another kid on the way. I don't get that quiet time that I need. I, I, you know, get my wife and kid out of the house. Wait for the weather to clear up. Go out on my deck with with a snifter, the Sam Adams. You know, get one of my cigars out and just fucking relax. I, I don't want to. I don't want to be drinking the utopias when I'm stressed. I'm going to be drinking it when I'm relaxed. God damn. I, I, I was relaxed enough before that show that I drank the utopias. Um, I, I think I was pretty relaxed after too because I don't remember shit. Last one in this list. Number 25. This is another one I've seen all over the place and if, this is another one that seems to be hard to get. Uh, zombie Dust from Three Floyds, a just flat-out great pale ale from Three Floyds. It's hoppy, fruity, and should be a summertime staple if you can get it. So that is that is that beer bucket list. And this one, I'm actually I'm definitely going to post on uh, the Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash what is it? MLR? Yeah, Facebook.com/slash MLR alcohol. Yeah. Zip, zip, zip. Facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. Getting tripped up on my fucking lips. Um, Damn it. I was going somewhere with this. And, oh, yeah. You know what? Like the page. That's what I wanted you to do. Like that Facebook page. I want, I would really like to get up to 100 likes by this summer. I know it's not a lot, especially considering uh, how many of you I have downloading the show every week. If I had every one of you that downloads the show every week, I would have well over 2,000 likes on that page. So come on, people, get to it, please. Please? Try to be nice. I I, I don't want to call you fuckers. I will. I will. I'll do it. So going back to going back to the one where they were talking about the Lambics, fucking frat bros. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to regale you with a little tale. Little tale before I 
do maybe like a couple more news stories and then get into the releases for the week or whatever. It was last week, it was definitely after Tuesday, running at work on my on my lunch breaks and because it's been so fucking cold out, I run at the indoor track at my work. I work in a university and there's an indoor track in the rec center. And on my lunch break, I'll go and run about four miles and it uh, comes to about 40 laps on this track. And I'm, I don't know, maybe about a mile through and then all these fucking douche bros, maybe about five or six of them are come up to the track and they're sitting in this, they're all hanging around this corner by the doorway that I get onto the track from. Now, I wouldn't have a problem with this if they were staying the fuck out of my way. But no, these fucking douche bros had to kind of, you know, show off their muscles and everything. You know, they're, they're wearing the fucking cut-off sleeves and everything and just generally being douche bros, you know. They're, 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 they got their feet up on the wall and they're doing push-ups, like, you know, their hands on the floor, feet up on the wall, doing push-ups that way. And just doing all this, you know... You know, checking out their muscles and everything. and Very, very douche bro shit. Now, again, I wouldn't have that much of a problem with this if they would have stayed the fuck out of my way. See, it's a track. You know what a track is for? A track is for people fucking running. And they would give me the fucking stink eye when I was trying to run by and they wouldn't get the fuck out of my way. Are you fucking shitting me? So fuck those guys. I mean, the, the, the indoor track is right above the, the gym, which has like basketball court. And it's fucking huge. They could have been doing all this fucking douche bro shit down there. And there were, there was so much fucking space down there. I mean, there were like five guys playing basketball or something. And then nobody else. There were several corners and walls and everything they could have occupied themselves with, but no, they had to be up on the fucking track. Fucking douche bros, fucking frat douche bro bullshit motherfuckers, and as much as I wish I could say this to their fucking faces, but I'm too timid for that shit. Fuck them. Fuck their douche bro shirts with their cut-off sleeves, and fuck their arms and muscles and bullshit posturing up there. Ugh. Pisses me off. Just, I'm running. Get the fuck out of my way. Simple as that. I mean, I've had it happen where, you know, people are walking on the track and they're aware of me when I'm moving and they will go off to the side. Fine. I'm cool with you. You're not in my way. Then I have this one elderly couple that's walking and the guy stays to the side. The woman is walking all over the goddamn place like she's a drunk driver on the road, swerving all over the place, and gives me a shitty look when I run past her. Fuck you, bitch. Get the fuck out of my way. Is that too much? Maybe a little bit? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, just some anger going. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. Okay. Well, you know what? Um, speaking of Pliny the Elder and Pliny the Younger, you know, those, those Pliny beers... I thought this was actually a goddamn awesome story. 
from Inside Scoop, San Francisco, a brilliant, um, wait, Portland? I guess there's a Portland, is there a port in California? I don't know. Mm. Anyway, Inside Scoop SF, uh, or Inside Scoop SF dot SFgate dot com. There you go. Brilliant Portland Bar offers Pliny the Younger as Miller High Life allows its regulars to actually enjoy it. Cool. So, from this article, um, Pliny the Younger is, you know, people are crazy obsessive over it, even more so than Pliny the the Elder. I, I highlighted that in the bucket list. One Portland bar got creative found a way to ensure that its regulars could enjoy Planet of the Younger without having to leave work early and or wait in a huge line. Okay. Now, Planet of the Younger kegs, they make their way around the country, but the usual pattern is the bar gets a keg, word gets out that the bar has the keg, you know, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, the bar gets packed, the keg disappears very quickly. This bar, they decided to... Post the they they build the Pliny on the board as Miller High Life, but it was listed as seven dollars for twelve ounces. Now, your average person, first of all, your average person probably isn't going to go to a bar and order Miller High Life anyway. I I think they would probably stick to like you know usually like a Budweiser or something like that. That, that tends to be the case. So, $7 for 12 ounces, that would kind of tip people off that were looking closely and noticing a a kind of a high price for Miller High Life. But, even if you figured it out, there was another rule that this bar had. No yelping, tweeting, selfieing, Facebooking, Instagramming, posting, and or whatever else you kids do these days. So, it was basically a social media blackout on don't tell people that we're doing this. And it's a very fair way for people to get their taste of that beer. It's a really, really cool idea. Um, of course, the, the, the comments make this... <laughs> the comments make this better. Um, Spirit76 says, I don't want to sound like a Jew or anything, but isn't listing a product as another product illegal? Uh, crazy as Carl replied to that, I don't want to sound like a Jew, but I would like to sound like an anti-Semitic. <laughs> then Spirit76 replied to that, I'd rather be anti-Semitic than infringe on another company's trademark, even if Miller's not a good beer. Um, uh, SJ Cress says, I like the idea of not allowing any social media and keeping the goods to the regulars who go there anyway. And I, I, think, it's, I think it is a cool idea. Uh, somebody else says no yelping, tweeting, selfieing, Facebook. Uh, you know what they said. Whoever wrote that rule deserves to be dunked in the vat of warm Miller High Life. Come on, I think that's actually good because you're you're not you're not blowing up their spot there, and you're allowing people to you know you you can get it through you know your your general word of mouth, but you're not going to completely blow up their spot. Um, and there's way too much fucking noise going on outside my door here. God damn it! Uh, so you know, with that, I, I think I think the timing is probably right for me to hit my new beer releases and reveals for the week. That that'll hold off on uh, a few things I can save for next week. I get get some advanced show prep done. 
Uh, so the first one, Oscar Blues, Gubna Imperial IPA. Again, Imperial IPA. Not not my thing. Still not my thing, but you know. It's Oscar Blues fourth release of this beer. Now this one is supposedly over a hundred IBUs. Again, the international bitterness unit scale technically does not go over a hundred. So anybody purporting to say that their beer is over a hundred IPUs really probably isn't. It's really probably at the top of the scale. I mean, it's, it's one of those weird things like that. Um, let's see what else, uh, 10% ABV. It's an Imperial IPA. So that's not surprising. It is a beer for the people who really want the hoppy stuff. So I would, I would pass on this for where I just see it at least at this point in time, she'll be on shelves in cans in the coming weeks. Uh, then we have Amagang Glimmer Glass Spring Saison. Again, I, I wish I could, I, I wish I could honestly remember if I liked Saisons. I think I do, but there are some that haven't really impressed me, so I don't know. It's brewed with white wheat, hopped with Bravo, Styrian Golding, Columbus and Cascade hops, and a little bit of peppercorn and orange peel. Uh, you can look those ones up on the hop chart I told you about on my last show. If you missed it, what are you doing? Download it at morelikeradio.org, or you can go to my iTunes feed. Look up Alcohol by Volume and leave me a review. Like I said at the beginning of the show, do it. Amagang, they like to highlight the water they use. It's from Coopertown's Otsego Lake, and they really attribute... Uh, they they attribute a lot of the flavor of their beer and like the crispness of it to the water that they use. It's available now for a limited time on draft and in twelve ounce four packs. Uh, let's see what else I got here: Sly Fox Nihilist Russian Imperial Stout. I just like the looks of the bottle on this one for some reason. Um, let me see if I can bring it up so I can kind of give you a proper description here. Uh, okay. Uh, you know your standard brown bile bottle corked with a uh, corked with a cage on top, and nihilist in red text, stout in gold text, and it's kind of a a brown badge on there. It, it it's I don't know it's, it's very mi- very minimalist in a way, but I don't know. I, there, there's something about it I really like. I don't know if it's the star on the top of the eye in nihilist or what, or the contrast of the red and the gold. But there's something there, there's something I like about this art. Anyway, nine uh, percent ABV, Russian Imperial Stout, eighty IBU. So you got some bitterness here. Seven hundred fifty milliliter bottles on shelves now in limited quantities at Sly Fox's two pubs and select retail outlets, which translates to ninety eight percent of my listening audience probably ain't gonna see this thing. But I reported on it anyway for the two percent of you that may, may, may. May, may find it. Um, Pyramid Brewing IPL. It's a new ra- uh, year-round beer for Pyramid. It combines citrusy hop flavors prevalent in IPAs with the smooth finish of a lager described as a cross between a Northwest IPA and a Czech Pilsner. It's going to be 6% ABV, 60 IBUs. It's going to be available soon on draft. 22-ounce bottles, and in 12-ounce, 6, 12, and 24-ounce packs. So, y- you, get your, you, get your, uh, you get your variety there. 
Okay, here's one from one of my favorite uh, favorite brewers, and uh, I know uh, Hall's on. It's all about me. On oh fuck, god damn it! What what time are what time are they on? I know they're on. I know they're on Saturdays. Uh, Saturdays at noon. Uh, let's see. Let's go. Let's go to morelikeradio.com/slash/shows and find out. Uh, Saturday. It's all about. Oh yeah, it's all about me. Twelve to two, and I know. Uh, I know. Halls recognize that. I try the try the different try the different beers, and I like the chocolate beers. And Halls, I think. I think if you find the the right one, you might you might like it. And she mentioned that I really like Duclaw Brewing, and this one is from Duclaw. It's called Dirty Little Freak. Love the names they're coming up with the for for the Duclaw beers. It. Sounds almost like a take on a Girl Scout cookie with flavors of coconut, caramel, and chocolate. If they can match the success of Sweet Baby Jesus with this one, oh my god. So, as they describe it, a dominant blend of roasted malt, coconut, caramel, and chocolate essences. Barely restrained by a gentle hot bite that tantalizes your senses all the way to a satisfying finish. Keep an eye out for this one. Duclaw, even though, I mean, Sweet Baby Jesus was the first one from them I had, and nothing has quite lived up to that sense, they've still been knocking it out of the park. Because they ha- I haven't had a bad beer from them. Have I had something that is maybe not quite what I was looking for, maybe a little underwhelming in certain flavor areas? Yes. I haven't had anything bad from them. So, I mean, Duclaw... I'm liking what I see from them. They're kind of like the new Abita for me. Whereas Abita, Purple Haze was always the thing for me. Turbo Dog, always the thing for me. And everything else was kind of there. Wasn't bad. Wasn't fantastic. But it was okay for me. And it was good. It was a good standby. Duclaw is kind of like that for me now. So it's a porter with vanilla beans, 12-ounce bottles, 5.8% ABV. Arrival to be determined on this one. So I'm keeping an eye out for that. I, I hope within the next few months. Then the last one here, uh, Narragansett presents Dell's Shandy. I actually initially heard about this on Talk Radio Meltdown, Fridays 4 to 6. Um, the company is still tweaking the recipe. They need government approval. It would be a combination of Narragansett lager with Dell's Lemonade Lemon Concentrate. And if all goes well, it would see release in April in six packs of 16-ounce cans and about 5% alcohol by volume. So, um, And that, that's that's the new releases and reveals for the week. And, um, you know, some, something I wanted to mention, kind of going back to that bucket list here. I know I joke around on here about, you know, gladly accepting beer shipments from you guys. And again, I, I very much thank Scrambler for what he sent in to me. Because it's 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 another one of those beers I can knock off my checklist there the the um the uh, Jesus Christ um the, the, the Goose Island one he's sending me the uh, Jesus Christ uh, the, the Bourbon County Stout wow I don't know why I was blanking on that uh but it, it, it's one of those I can cross off my checklist and. There is a genuine element to that. I mean, Scrambler actually just completely volunteered that to me. He asked me if I had had it before. I said, "No, I haven't." It, it, it's it's one that I'm hoping to find someday. He said he, he you know he had an extra bottle. He was going to send it to me. Something else locally he was going to send to me. I, I I 
volunteered to send him some stuff from the East Coast if there was anything he was looking for. There was nothing he was looking for. So, I mean, Scrambler, you rule, dude. If Honestly, if there's anything that pops up here on the East Coast that you are looking for, let me know. I owe you, man. But, you know, there, there's a genuine element to the, you know, the asking, you guys. And it's particularly when it comes to hard-to-find stuff, like some of the stuff on that bucket list. I mean, it, it's how I was able to procure that bottles of Utopias, thanks to Sean at BrewKeep.com. I, I would not have this bottle of Utopia sitting in front of me if not for him. And apparently there's a vacuum cleaner going off in the room next to me. Great. Um, so if, if any of my listeners, and, and I know this, this is probably a lot to ask. If any of my listeners ever feel charitable and you have like an extra heady topper or a Pliny that you'd want to donate to the show. Yeah, because people end up with extras of those, right? Or even just an amazing local brew from your area that you think I absolutely need to try. You know, one of those hidden gems that, you know, it's not available on the East Coast and it's one of those kind of local secrets. I'd really appreciate it. I can always reciprocate with East Coast beers that you might be looking for as a form of, quote, payment. Since, you know, there's involved interstate commerce bullshit legalities when it comes to exchanging money for beers. You know, the the beer trade subreddit says never trade beer for money because it's technically a sale and there's a 100% chance you don't have a legal license to sell alcohol, especially across state lines. You kind of get that idea there. But um, if it, honestly, if anybody wants to conduct like, you know, kind of a beer trade or anything like that, um, ooh, that's interesting. I found a piece of plastic on my desk and I don't know where it came from. Hmm, curious. Um, if, if anybody wants to conduct some kind of beer trade or if you just if you just want to send something to me and you want to kind of call in a favor on an East Coast beer at a later date, I mean, I can get nugget nectar and shit like that out here if that gives you any idea. I don't... The, the stuff I have out here, it's regularly available to me. I don't know how rare it is in other areas. I mean... So, I mean, if there's something you're looking for, let me know. And if there's something you can send my way, let me know. Uh, email me at Kevin at MLR, or I'm sorry, Kevin at morelikeradio.com. You can always message me on Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol. I would greatly appreciate it. It, it would be great for the show. I'm not, I'm not just looking for free beer, honestly. I, I can get beer here. I'm looking for stuff that's unique. I'm looking for stuff that I would not be able to find elsewhere. And I, I can talk about it on the show. I'll give you your due props. You know, I'm, I'm not going to fuck you over like that. Um, so with that, you know what? I'm, I'm hitting my two-hour point on the show, so I better I better go. Uh, uh, so with that, <laughs> let me do a proper closing here. Uh, go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume check out what we're talking about in the facebook group facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume the abv beer tasting list it's tinyurl.com slash abv beer tasting an open spreadsheet where you can add your beer picks stuff that you've had give a little reviews on it rating one to five all stuff on the open spreadsheet you'll you'll see the info on there uh, follow me on twitter at edicius or at mlr underscore alcohol like i just mentioned before look me up on untapped the social media drinking app alcohol by volume all one word coming up next is unsigned hype followed by dutch and royce 
I will see you guys next week. Again, thank you for making me number one last week. I appreciate it. I will see you guys next week. Have a good one.